There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Welcome back to WCN-TV for today. It's Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. Before we get going, we have a big event coming up, which you should all know about by now. But uh, for those who don't, let's watch a quick two-minute video with all the details, if that's ready to roll. There we go. Let's push that little button. They don't want to make America great again. They don't believe in America first. Uh, they believe in globalism and social. The goal and the aim is to shut down the gospel proclamation. We will stand against that evil. We will not be quiet or silent as you're about to perpetrate evil. You've got to speak up. You've got to rise up. You've got to use the position God puts you in. And he said, who's to say you weren't born for such a time as this? And if that revival happens within us, what would it look like? What is the... What is the outward working of the Holy Spirit in a real revival? Wisconsin Christian News Solemn Assembly and Conference April 14th and 15th with a special music group MPK Band performing Sacred Hymns of the Faith. The conference will be held at the Stony Creek Hotel and Conference Center, 1100 Imperial Avenue, Rothschild, Wisconsin. Purchase your tickets today at CoachDaveLive.com slash events. That's CoachDaveLive.com slash events. You can also call 715-486-8066 for more information. See you at the conference. God bless you. So there you go. There's all the details again. And uh, if you haven't made plans to be there yet, sit down and make those plans with your spouse tonight and order your tickets and don't miss this incredible opportunity to see, hear, and meet some of the most informative, knowledgeable, and godly speakers you'll ever find all in one place. 
I guarantee you'll have your eyes opened and your hearts prepared for the turmoil that's coming to your front door soon. The things that are happening these days are like nothing I would have ever imagined could be possible in my lifetime, and it's worldwide. As I watch all the news feeds that come across my desk every day, I see biblical prophecy being fulfilled on pretty much a daily basis now. As the globalists continue to move forward with their great reset, it appears that America and American freedom is doomed. Our country is being purposely destroyed from within and inexplicably, it seems the whole world is being deceived by the demoniacs that currently seem to control everything. Before we bring our guest on today, let's just look at a few of the headlines that uh, I've been meaning to share with you. These are mostly fairly recent, but here in Wisconsin, the Supreme Court race has been called the most important election in the entire country this year. Republicans are spending $3.2 million in TV ads between now and the April 4th election, but George Soros just dumped $4 million into the mix to support the Democrat side. So I guess we're going to be getting the best judge money can buy. Last week, Joe Biden took time to advocate for transgender surgery for children, calling any bans cruel and sinful. So according to Joe, it's now cruel and sinful to object to the sexual grooming and the twisting of our children's minds and the maiming of their bodies for life. And according to a brand new poll by McLaughlin and Associates, 71% of voters are either concerned, angry, or upset about efforts to expose children to transgender ideology, and they believe pharmaceutical companies and doctors who promote transgender reassignment surgery or drugs should be held legally liable. New York City has seen a 117% increase in police officers retiring over the past year as government-supported anarchy grows while law and order are now things of yesteryear. In Portland, Oregon, all Walmart stores are now closing forever because of high crime rates and shoplifting. Even though Walmart is still one of the most woke companies out there, and Portland is still promoting uh, working to defund the uh, police. Sorry, I'm having a hard time reading because I printed this on the wrong type of paper. (laughs) So anyway, we've got a few more headlines. So far this year, job cuts are 427% higher than they were this time last year. Also, excess deaths in Australia are off the charts following the COVID shots, the highest in 80 years. And the Washington State Attorney General wants to criminalize speech by banning any dissent against jab mandates or election outcomes. And this past uh, Sunday, the Attorney General of New York State hosted a drag queen story event, which was actually four hours long, for young children in New York City to protest a claimed rise in anti-LGBTQ plus protests, rhetoric, and policies. A United Airlines flight was diverted to Houston recently after a pilot experienced a medical issue. They're not telling us what that issue was. Medical crew was immediately on the scene when the plane landed, but the pilot was unable to get out of his seat. Three other pilots have died suddenly in just this past week. Jane Fonda appeared on The View recently, and when asked for a solution to the new pro-life laws around the country, she declared that they need to just murder all the Republican politicians. So that's her answer. A top Democrat on the J6 committee 
recently stated, we didn't actually review any of the surveillance video. This came after 40,000 hours of video were released to Fox News' Tucker Carlson, footage that showed what actually happened. Chuck Schumer called on Fox News to stop Tucker Carlson from airing any more footage, and so far he hasn't aired any more J6 footage. And the once beautiful state of Minnesota continues to circle the drain. They just named Leah Fink, a man who dresses up like a woman, claims to be transgender as Woman of the Year. Fink became the first transgender legislator in Minnesota in November after supposedly winning 81% of the vote for a seat in the House of Representatives there. So this guy, dressed as a woman, won 81% of the vote, even though I don't know how that's possible because according to the um, research, 71% of voters are either concerned, angry, or upset about this transgender ideology. Nevertheless, yesterday Biden vetoed a bill that would have repealed the Department of Labor rule allowing retirement fund managers to consider environment, social, and governments, that's ESG principles, in their investment decisions. Also yesterday, the city of Philadelphia agreed to pay nine and a quarter million dollars to over 200 BLM and Antifa rioters who claimed they were injured by police while they were rioting. And last Friday, a crew from CNN was sent to San Francisco to do a story on the crime surge in that city. While interviewing citizens in front of City Hall, their vehicle was badly vandalized and the reporter's bags were stolen in broad daylight. And just one more thing. After the collapse of Silicon Valley and signature banks, Janet Yellen has just assured us that the banking system is sound and the government will back all deposits. Of course, she's from the government and here to help us. I could go on, but I would rather not. Let's bring our guest on. It's Alex Newman. Alex is an award-winning international freelance journalist, author, researcher, educator, and consultant, and also one of our speakers at the upcoming conference. He's the senior editor for the New American Magazine, author of Crimes of the Educators in the Deep State, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes, and Alex is also founder of Liberty Sentinel, which you can find at libertysentinel.org. So, Alex, welcome back to WCN-TV. Thanks for being here. I'm looking forward to seeing you in just a few weeks now. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here and also looking forward to seeing you in uh, Wausau very soon. Yeah, it's going to be a great event. We're we're getting excited now. Now it's we're just a few weeks away. The excitement level is rising. So, well, as you know, the theme of our event is the great pushback against the Great Reset. So, let's talk about that today in a little more detail. First of all, Alex, why don't we focus on the recent bank failures? We know the U.S. dollar has to be done away with to make way for a digital one-world currency. So like the rest of our American infrastructure, the banking system must be destroyed. Is that what the globalists are working on now? Uh, I think it is. Uh, I think, you know, when they talk about build back better, the obvious point to understand there is that they need to first get rid of whatever was there in the beginning. Right. You can't build something back unless you destroy what was originally there. It's like when you you talk about building back a building, building back a house. Uh, building back after a hurricane smashes your community, um, all of those uh, presuppose the destruction of what existed before. And so 
uh, the globalists, the uh, the deep staters, the predators, the uh, diabolical forces trying to enslave humanity and and uh, basically steal our freedom, crush our families, crush the church, which, of course, they'll never succeed in doing. Uh, but they have been very, very clear about their desire to move toward, like you said, a one world currency. Um, and, and, you know, this is something that they've been talking about publicly for decades. This is not a, a new development. What's new is now the, the process seems to be underway. Uh, and of course, also uh, getting rid of cash and moving toward a central bank digital currency, a CBDC, as they call it. Uh, and so what we're seeing right now with the banks, I think very well could pave the way to making that possible. Um, th there's no way to accomplish a great reset in currency, in banking, in money, uh, et cetera, without some sort of crisis precipitating that. And so if they could get our banks to collapse, if they can get our uh, savings to be vaporized, if they could get the financial system to freeze up, the credit markets to freeze up, uh, that would be a very good pretext as far as they're concerned to come in and offer their solutions, right? This is the same tactic they've always used. They create a crisis, uh, they exploit that crisis, and then they pose as saviors to the very same problems that they've created. And I think that's what is actually happening here. How quickly this may unfold, I don't know. It could be a period of months. It could be a period of years, uh, but it could also be very sudden. It could also happen, I think, in a matter of weeks. Uh, I don't believe they would completely do away with the dollar and completely abolish cash that suddenly, but they could roll out the precursor for the eventual system that they hope to bring in. Uh, and that could come very, very suddenly, depending on the magnitude of the crisis. So, Alex, what caused the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank? What what was behind that? What what happened there? Well, I mean, the the proximate cause, uh, you know, the the immediate issue that theoretically caused this was the Federal Reserve was drastically raising interest rates. When the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, and you're sitting on a bunch of long term U.S. Treasury securities, long term bonds with interest rates, you know, close to zero. Um, the, the value of those bonds is absolutely decimated. And so in a perfect world, if those are unrealized losses, as they say, in other words, you're not going to actually go out and sell those bonds and, and uh, have to suffer those losses. It's not the end of the world. But they're sitting on hundreds of billions of unrealized losses as a result of sitting on all these long term U.S. Treasury securities. And as the interest rates were rising, the value of those bonds was decreasing. And then you had depositors starting to pull money out um, and the, the trickle of depositors turned into a larger number of depositors. They had to go out into the markets, sell some of those bonds whose values had been decimated. Uh, and of course, they didn't have the money to cover all of those deposits. And so the bank ended up collapsing, uh, similar with the other two banks. That went down. Uh, and of course, there are hundreds of banks throughout the financial system. In fact, the Federal Reserve itself is sitting on enormous numbers of long term U.S. Treasury bonds and frankly, massive unrealized losses. But I think we need to look deeper than that. That's just a superficial explanation. Um, what really caused the, the crisis is the very monetary system we exist in itself. Uh, and so, you know, when people talk about the destruction of the monetary system, that's not necessarily a bad thing. The, the monetary system that we live under today is uh, basically a giant criminal operation. I think it's the simplest way to understand it. It is a scam designed to loot the poor and middle class in this country, to uh, sap our wealth, to harness the power of the American worker, the American business, the American economy, uh, and then put that to work for evil purposes. Uh, and so we, we have a, a totally illegitimate monetary system. And, uh, you know, I, I think without getting too much into the weeds on this, I, you know, I, I taught advanced economics for 12 years and, you know, we, we spent almost a year before the students finally understood really well how the monetary system worked. But a couple of key points, I think, will, will emphasize what I'm trying to uh, convey here. 
first of all, all currency, essentially, with a, a handful of tiny exceptions, but almost all currency that comes into the U.S. economy comes into the economy as debt. Um, whether that be through the Federal Reserve creating currency and then buying U.S. Treasury bonds or even loaning that out to commercial banks through the discount window. Uh, all of the currency, essentially, that's coming into the U.S. economy is entering the economy as debt. And because it's entering as debt, the Federal Reserve is creating the principal, um, but they're also charging interest on it, right? Wh whatever that interest rate may be, if it's 1%, if it's 5%, it really is immaterial to the discussion here. They're creating the principal, but they're not creating the interest. Uh, then as that money works its way out into the economy, it ends up in the commercial banking system. The commercial banking system then takes that currency that the Federal Reserve created, turns it into even more currency. Yes, the commercial banks are literally creating currency and credit out of thin air uh, with the full permission of the U.S. government and, uh, and the Federal Reserve system. Uh, and again, just like with the Federal Reserve, they're creating the principal, but they're not creating the interest that's required. And so what happens when uh, and we saw this actually during the Great Depression, it's actually, I think, the, the greatest comparison that we can look at uh, prior to the Great Depression. And this was, by the way, when the dollar was still nominally tied to gold, by the way, it was much more difficult to do it back then than it is today. Uh, the, the Federal Reserve artificially lowered interest rates. Uh, when interest rates are artificially lowered beyond what the market would have them at, what happens is massive amounts of malinvestment. Uh, loans are taken out that wouldn't have been taken out in a free market economy. Capital is diverted into uses that don't make sense based on market fundamentals. Um, you know, factories, uh, uh, businesses, expansion, homes. And so what you end up getting is asset bubbles, uh, housing prices all out of line, uh, uh, stock prices, equity prices all out of line with reality as a result of this cheap credit. And so for a while, it feels fun, right? They call it the boom cycle. Even the Keynesians talk about the boom and the bust cycle. Uh, so that's the boom part of the cycle where artificially low interest rates produce the sensation, at least, of economic prosperity. There's a lot of free money flowing around. Businesses can expand. Jobs are everywhere. Uh, what's happening, unfortunately, though, is a lot of these resources are being uh, diverted into investments that don't make financial sense. And so eventually reality sets in. And, you know, for the folks who, who maybe are a little bit younger and don't remember, um, we had a massive financial crisis. Uh, it was what, 2007, it began 2008. It's about 15 years ago now. And since that time, the Federal Reserve has kept interest rates radically low. And this resulted in huge amounts of malinvestment, huge amounts of, of currency and credit flowing all over the place. Well, then the Federal Reserve started sucking that currency out of the economy by increasing interest rates. Well, what happens? There's not enough currency to actually pay back all of the debts that the Federal Reserve and the commercial banking system has out there. And so as this money gets sucked out of the economy, um, the economy starts getting sucked into a black hole. Um, there is actually not enough currency in circulation to pay back all the debts that are owed to the Federal Reserve and to the commercial banking system. And so as that tightens, businesses start failing, banks start failing, uh, people start losing their jobs, homeowners aren't able to pay their mortgages. And that's what we're witnessing right now. That's exactly what happened in the run-up to the Great Depression. After the Roaring Twenties, where the Federal Reserve kept interest rates too low, we experienced the so-called Roaring Twenties that felt like they were roaring. Well, as soon as the Federal Reserve started sucking that money out of the economy, through increased interest rates and um, uh, selling treasury bonds, what happened is the whole system started collapsing in on itself. That's about where we are right now. Now, the Federal Reserve has a, really two options here. Uh, neither of them are good. Uh, option one is to forget about trying to fight inflation, so-called, and just crank up the, the presses again, start flooding the economy with cheap, low-interest, funny money, uh, and you know keep the party going a little bit longer until the hyperinflation and the whole economy gets sucked into a black hole. 
or they could continue doing what they've been doing, which is raising interest rates. And that, of course, will cause more of what we just saw with uh, Silicon Valley Bank and what we've been seeing now as this currency is getting sucked out of the system. We're going to see more and more businesses collapsing, more and more banks collapsing. Uh, there really is no good alternative here. There's going to be massive amounts of pain. Uh, and I suspect, in fact, I, I you can almost take it to the bank. Uh, they're going to use this to bring about uh, various different elements of the Great Reset agenda. Take it to the bank doesn't mean what it used to mean, does right. it? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. So, well, I think about people that have their, uh, their mortgages locked in at, at like 2%. And, um, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck. Um, you know, if they, if they want to move, if they want to sell their house, if they want to get out and do something different. Um, you know, now they're looking at what, seven, eight, 9%. Yep. So, and it will probably go higher unless the federal reserve decides to abandon the fight against inflation, in which case prepare for hyperinflation and <laughs> hide your dollars, put them in something that uh, will not be inflated away. Cause really th- there is no good alternative here. Uh, I mean, even if the federal reserve were well-meaning and I think it, it, it's very clear that it's not the people running the federal reserve uh, are absolutely not well-meaning, but even if we assume very naively for argument's sake that they are, uh, they're backed into a corner here. There are no good options uh, to deal with this. Either you keep inflating the currency and every Everybody will pay for that, as we saw in Venezuela, as we saw in Zimbabwe, as we saw in the Weimar Republic, as we saw in Hungary, uh, as we've seen over and over and over again uh, in the history of fiat money. Or they do the opposite. They keep raising interest rates and you end up with a Great Depression type scenario where uh, everybody's going to suffer. So there's going to be suffering, period, end of discussion. Anybody who tells you otherwise uh, simply doesn't know what they're talking about or they're lying to you. So we talk about central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Um, Alex, what is the what what is the center of the central part of central bank digital currencies? Who's in the center? Who's who's running that? Excellent question. And uh, very few people are even familiar with this institution, but the institution at the global level that is coordinating the policies around the world, all the different central banks of the world are really getting their instructions from one institution. It's called the Bank for International Settlements. It's headquartered in Basel, Switzerland. And um, it's basically a privately owned central bank servicing the world's privately owned central banks. Um, It is one of the most powerful institutions that people have never heard of. Uh, According to Carol Quigley, uh, Bill Clinton's mentor, who wrote the book behind me, uh, uh, Tragedy and Hope, A History of the World in Our Time, uh, this is actually meant to be the apex of the global totalitarian system they're imposing on us right now, uh, both economic and political. And so it's a very little known institution, but an incredibly powerful institution that is now, and and has been for years, by the way, this is not a new thing, uh, coordinating almost all the major central banks of the world on this road toward a central bank digital currency. And in conversations among themselves, they've been pretty transparent about what this actually means. Um, The move toward a central bank digital currency, once it gets underway, right? I imagine at first it'll probably be introduced uh, in parallel with cash. But the ultimate objective, and everybody needs to keep this in mind, uh, is going to be to ultimately abolish cash and switch only over to the central bank digital currencies. And uh, I mean, the significance of this has actually been explained very well, even by the managing director of the Bank for International Settlements, Mr. Agustin. Uh, He explained that this is going to give the central banks, the governments and the mega banks of the world the opportunity to have, in his words, complete control over the spending and the taxing and the uh, uh, information 
around every what, what he describes as a unit of central bank liability, uh, which you know normal people know as currency. So every dollar that you earn, every dollar that you spend is going to be tracked, is going to be controlled, is going to be monitored officially by your central bank and by your national monetary and, and fiscal authorities, whether that be the Treasury Department in the United States or the finance ministry in other countries, along with the international cartel uh, represented by the Bank for International Settlements and to a lesser extent, the International Monetary Fund, which they're grooming to become the global central bank and also the World Bank. Okay, so Switzerland, which uh, I believe is is the same country that has already uh, microchipped, uh, what, 80% of their citizens. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, Sweden has uh, microchipped thousands and thousands of their citizens uh, under various pretexts. Uh, even before COVID, uh, the lemmings were getting microchipped. Uh, for a while, they were presenting it as like the cool thing to do. You could, you know, you could go to the VIP section of the club and get your, you know, margarita or whatever and just scan your hand. Um, and then during the pandemic, uh, there's, there's a, a very well-known Swedish company that's been pioneering this technology. Uh, they actually started marketing it as a way to have your vaccine passport always with you because of course it's a microchip embedded in your hand so many many thousands of swedes and other europeans have already taken these microchips Uh, i don't expect that they'll be mandatory tomorrow but i expect that they're going to be trying to paint all of us uh, including christians who will resist uh, into a corner whereby our lives become very difficult in fact i can foresee a time where you might not be able to buy or sell in a commercial marketplace if you refuse to participate in this and uh, I, I think we need to understand that's the direction these totalitarians these diabolical forces want to move us toward so they've got to do away with cash in order to uh, you know move forward with their agenda on this what do people do um what, what i mean you take your money. You can take your money out of the bank and and get cash. But what good is that going to be when they everything is digital and and cash is basically just paper? It's a very good point. And uh, you know, I I don't know that there are good solutions to this. I I would say you know a couple of obvious things: start using cash for basically everything. Uh, and I, you know, I recognize there are some real benefits to using credit cards. You know, you get uh, freaking flyer miles or you get cash back or whatever. Um, and it's, it's also very convenient. You don't have to worry about, you know, carrying a large amount of cash on you that might get robbed. Uh, but the downside may well be your freedom and your privacy. So take that into account. The more we use cash now, the harder it will be for them to make this transition. So I, I do urge people to use cash as much as you possibly can. And if a business refuses to take cash, find somebody else to do business with. Um, and, you know, there are more and more businesses now that are popping up. In fact, some of the credit card companies are offering them large sums of money to go totally cashless. Uh, in many parts of Europe now, you struggle sometimes to find a, a, a business that will accept your cash. They they just want your Apple Pay or your microchip or your credit card or whatever, your tap thingamajig. Um, and so do your best to find businesses that will use cash. I also do think state governments ought to be... Um, taking all this into account and making preparations. There are a number of states already that have re-legalized gold and silver as legal tender. I think that's a very wise step for states to take, um, especially, you know, staring in the face of all these potential crises that are looming. Um, you know, why would you not take a sensible step like that? Why wouldn't you, as the U.S. Constitution says, uh, make gold and silver legal tender? Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to go out and do their shopping with gold and silver. But it's nice to have that option. It's nice to know that your state is not going to claim that your gold or your silver coin are actually an investment uh, that you're then going to have to pay capital gains tax on. I mean, these are serious questions. Um, and I would also encourage people, you know, there's been a movement out there to, to build uh, what's being called a parallel economy. 
uh, to create local alternative currencies. Uh, these are all things that are worth exploring. And, and I, would, I, I think it would be um, irresponsible not to encourage people to start developing relationships with people in your community who produce the goods and services that you know you need. Uh, you know, be going to your local farmers markets, meet your local farmers, um, buy a, a half of a cow or a quarter of a cow. Uh, make sure you have access to the critical goods and services that you're going to need, even in a crisis scenario, even if the grade goes down, even if your credit cards are not working, even if uh, the government determines that you are no longer allowed to use cash. Uh, you know, if you know your local farmers that you're buying the bulk of your food from, that's not going to be as big of an issue. Uh, but ultimately, you know, as Christians, I think we we need to understand also that uh, God will supply our needs. He He always has. He always will. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. And I mean, think of Elijah out in the desert, right? God used uh, nasty birds to bring him food. So, you know, it's not something for Christians to be despairing about. I know a lot of Christians get all doom and gloom about, oh, antichrist. Oh, you know, the, um, you know that, that really should not be the attitude of a Christian. We, we don't want to freak out about these things. But absolutely, in the meantime, definitely take some prudent steps to protect yourself, your family, your savings, uh, and to get your local community well-educated and um, and prepared for these types of things. And a lot can be done at the state level. I really want to emphasize that. Develop a relationship with your local uh, state representative, your state senator, um, even your local county commissioners and your sheriff. Uh, these people can be critical in uh, helping you to get through tough times, regardless of what's going on in California or Illinois or Washington, D.C. or New York. Um, yeah, And we saw it very clearly here where I stay during COVID, right? Uh, my, my city, my county, my state, uh, pretty much nothing to no restrictions during COVID. We didn't have lockdowns. We didn't have shutdowns. We didn't have face diaper mandates, vaccine mandates, none of that. In fact, uh, at, at every level of government, our public officials said, we're not going to participate in that. And in fact, we're going to protect the people in our jurisdiction from that kind of craziness. Um, and you can do the same thing in your community. Uh, I mean, you know, unless you live in New York or Illinois or LA or something, uh, I highly encourage you to get involved at the local and the state level. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just, uh, and I, I don't mean this um, jokingly, but I would suggest that you make friends right now with your local uh, Mennonite and Amish communities because they are the most uh, uh, prepared for, for what's to come. Um, they all have a network. They all have their, their trades. They all, you know, they, they're self-sufficient. It's, it's amazing. So, and I do have some good friends in those communities. Anyone in our audience have any questions for Alex? If you do, raise your hand. Now's your chance. We'll give you another chance later if we have time before we move on. Okay. So, anyway, Alex, um, I know you're not a uh, not here as a financial advisor, but what would you suggest that people invest in at this point? Yeah, excellent question, Rob. And, and I always preface my response to that. I get I get asked that a lot by people, you know, places where I'm traveling or radio programs. Uh, and I always start off by saying, like, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't give any financial advice, but I'm always happy to share, you know, what my family and I have done uh, with our meager savings. And so, you know, with that, I'm just telling you what I have done. If, if you think that's valuable to you, then, uh, you know, feel free to use that information however you like. Um, you know, I, I believe that uh, there may be some really good buying opportunities here, as long as this, the system doesn't completely collapse and, you know, civilization doesn't implode. Uh, there may be some really good buying opportunities here in the not too distant future, depending a lot on what the Federal Reserve decides to do. Uh, I mentioned the two different options that they're looking at. Um, if they pursue one of those options, 
asset prices are going to fall through the floor. Uh, you're going to be able to pick up businesses, stocks, real estate, homes, uh, a lot of things for a fraction of what they would cost you right now. And so I think it's a good idea to have a little bit of cash on hand. How much? I don't know. Uh, we have some cash on hand. But, um, you know, there's also a huge risk with that because if they decide to continue hyperinflating the dollar and they've printed trillions and trillions of dollars over the last few years, uh, there's a very great danger that other governments and other central banks will decide to ditch the dollar as the world reserve currency, in which case any cash, any U.S. dollars that you're holding, um, the value is going to be basically vaporized. Uh, I mean, you, you may take a 20 percent haircut. You may take a 70 percent haircut in one week, in one night. And so, um, you know, with that in mind, you don't want to keep all of your eggs in the cash basket thinking I'm going to be able to pick up some good stocks or some good properties um, as things deteriorate, because that may not happen. Uh, as far as different investment classes that uh, my family and me are in, uh, you know, gold and silver is something that I, I have been uh, accumulating since I was in college. Uh, I started buying silver when it was about, uh, I think, $8 an ounce. Uh, the last mm -hmm. time I went to the gold and silver store, they wanted $30 an ounce. Uh, so, you know, made a little bit on that. Uh, I started stockpiling gold when it was about $600 an ounce. Last time I went to the gold and silver shop, which was over the weekend, uh, they wanted, I think, $2,200 to buy an ounce. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we've done very well on those things. Now, keep in mind, the, the government will try to tax a lot of that. They're going to call that a capital gain, even though there hasn't really been a genuine capital gain here. They're going to call it that because, you know, the gold and the silver are still worth what they were before. It's just the dollar that is worth a lot less. So either way, they're going to loot you, just, you know, be fully cognizant of the fact that you are going to be looted no matter what you do. Uh, you got to be comfortable with that. Uh, I think rural land um, is a very, uh, let me say one more thing about gold and silver too, as a, as a kind of a cautionary tale during the great depression, uh, FDR used an executive order to criminalize ownership of gold. Uh, they actually wouldn't let you open your safety deposit box without an IRS agent present to grab mm -hmm. it from you. And they gave you, you know, pieces of paper in exchange for your gold. And so if you were holding gold, if you were stockpiling gold, um, they basically stole, and I think that's the only appropriate term here. They stole something like half of your wealth from you. And they replaced it with pieces of paper that they could inflate later. So keep that in mind. You know, you don't want to put all your eggs in that basket. Uh, I think rural land is uh, potentially a very, very valuable opportunity. They're certainly not making any more of it. Uh, in fact, a lot of it is going out of production. Governments everywhere are trying to lock up more and more land into conservations and wilderness and, you know, this, that, and the other uh, easements. Uh, and so gradually the amount of useful rural land is actually decreasing in this country uh, fairly rapidly. And it just so happens that land is kind of important for things that are kind of important, like food. Right? So, uh, so you know, my family and me, were invested a little bit in, um, in land, both through uh, funds and ETFs and also through just actual ownership of, um, you know, land and, and things like that. Um, I, I do believe having some preparations for really tough times would be prudent. Um, and, you know, I don't mean to, to sound alarmist or, or paranoid in any sense, but if law and order broke down, even for a short time, um, you know, would you be prepared to deal with that? Uh, do you have more than a week worth of food? Right? And, you know, I live in hurricane country right now. We get we got smacked by two major hurricanes last year. It's not uncommon for us to lose electricity for two weeks, three weeks. Grocery store doesn't start back up. Um, you know, imagine that and multiply by five, 10. Would you be able to last through something like that without going to beg FEMA for food or without going to, you know, loot your neighbor's house? Uh, and if not, you know, that's probably something you want to consider. Ammunition has been a very, very good store of value through these times. So if you're a gun person, you may want to acquire some firearms, maybe some uh, ammunition. Uh, and, you know, as Christians, 
Uh, first of all, Proverbs tells us that the wise man foresees danger and prepares himself. Uh, the foolish man does not. <laughs> okay, so uh, we also know we have an obligation to take care of our families. Anyone who doesn't care for their family is worse than an infidel is what the Bible says. So uh, take that seriously, folks. If you have a wife, if you have children, if you have a mother-in-law that depend on you, uh, you know, that's on you. That's your responsibility. You, you need to make sure that uh, you're as prepared as you can be in a sensible manner. So I do think, uh, you know, having some extra food on hand, non-perishable food, uh, if you live in a dry area, if you live in a desert environment, make sure you have a, a, a method for getting water. If heaven forbid, uh, you know, the water treatment facilities go down. Um, and, you know, that may sound paranoid right now, but we all saw what happened over the last few years with COVID. Uh, things can change very, very rapidly. We're in a very vulnerable state right now. We've got Russia and China, you know, could attack at any moment. They've, they've been doing cyber attack drills. You know, all these things are very real possibilities, EMP attacks. And so, you know, without being worried about them, and certainly without being paranoid about them, we should have no fear other than fear of the Lord. Uh, it does make sense, I think, to be prepared and to not have all your eggs in one basket. And one more thing I would recommend on this is for people to make a deliberate effort to try to bring in more than one source of income. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're entire uh, existence depends on one source of income, it makes you very vulnerable, right? If, if you just work for a, a Fortune 500 company and they say, unless you take this injection, you can't work here, or unless you do X, Y, Z, you can't have a job anymore, uh, that's catastrophic. Whereas if you have several sources of income, uh, you know, you can probably weather that storm. So I would encourage people to the largest extent that you can uh, try to find multiple ways of bringing in income to support your family. Excellent advice for someone who is not a financial advisor. <laughs> so thank you, I put Robert. that disclaimer in, in there for you before you did. But thank you. Um, you know, I've been interested in, um, you know, I, I've always thought that uh, owning land is a, is a great idea. But, you know, even if you own your own house and it, it's paid off or if you own some land in the country or out in the wilderness or, out, you know, some out in the woods, um, you own it free and clear you you've taken your your cash and that's your investment um you still have to pay tax on it so if they if they switch this over to a uh, digital currency um and you don't want to be a part of that system what happens then you know i i guess i can see how it's going to come about that um even even though you own your land or your house um you're not going to be able to pay the taxes on it or the utilities without being part of the system. And so, you know, I, I guess I can see how our friend Klaus Schwab is, is uh, getting to his uh, point where we will own nothing because they're going to come and take it. Yeah. And that is their ultimate objective. And I, I think in all of this, you know, even in buying rural land or a farm or something like that, um, you know, we need to be aware that uh, historically, this is not uh, a novel thing where governments just come in and say, you no longer own your land. We're just taking it from you in the name of the people or in the name of the common good or in the name of, you know, pick your your issue, your individual, whatever it is. Well, they, um, they, they, you know, for environmental reasons, you know, right. climate change, you know, that's that's happening quite often. They do that regularly. You got you have a special kind of lizard on your property and therefore you can no longer farm it. And we're going to give you two hundred dollars to compensate you. And if you don't like it, sue us. We've got endless lawyers. We've got endless. So, you know, I think as Christians, it is really important for us to be thinking about these things, but also 
to become comfortable with the fact that our only hope, our only safety, our only sure uh, provider and guarantor is Jesus Christ. And we need to be comfortable with the idea that we may lose all of our worldly possessions. All of the intelligent saving and, and financial planning may all ultimately mean nothing. And, uh, you know, if you're mentally and spiritually prepared for that, it's going to be much easier to deal with whatever may be coming than if you are clinging to your, you know, your, your wealth as your source of security, as your source of protection. Ultimately, uh, God needs to be our rock, not our, our wealth. And so I, I think it, it would be wise for Christians to just get comfortable with that. And, and, you know, certainly that's not easy. You know, people work their whole lives. They, they live frugally. They save. It's not easy to get comfortable with the fact that you may lose it all. But um, in the environment that we're in right now, and, and that may not happen. I'm not saying you're going to lose everything, but I'm saying there are evil totalitarians that fully intend to liberate all of your property from you. And it would be a prudent thing for us to do to, to, to think about, to pray on, to meditate on the fact that. God is our hope, not our wealth. And it, we could lose everything we have in this world, our houses, our cars, our bank accounts, our businesses, whatever. Uh, if you have Christ, you have everything. And uh, we just need to remind ourselves of that, I think, more often than we probably do. Yeah, we we definitely are not here to uh, to be scaring people. We're, we're here to try to get you to think and, and to uh, think about, you know, what you need to do personally for your own family to prepare and, and uh, provide and not only provide for your own family, but uh, for your friends and, and uh, neighbors as well. So, yeah. yeah. And that's critical. I want to just add on that, Rob, uh, you know, if, you are prepared and you should be, uh, you're going to get a lot of people at your door, uh, whether that be neighbors or family members, or even people who laughed at you uh, three months ago. Oh, you're one of those preppers. All right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. This is a, a phenomenal ministry opportunity, right? Um, you know, if you can serve these people up a bowl of chili when they're hungry, um, you know, that will give you an incredible opportunity to share the gospel with them, to share the love of Christ with them and to let them know that, you know, you're serving them because you serve a living God, uh, not because you're special, uh, but because God is good. It's just a, it's a wonderful, I think we're, we're coming up on a time where it's really going to be much easier to share the gospel with people. People are going to be confused. People are going to be desperate. People are going to be panicked. We're already starting to see that. Uh, we saw it so clearly over the last three years with COVID. People were just totally bewildered. Nothing was making sense. Their world was crumbling around them. And th that's the opportunity for the bride of Christ to shine and say, look, here's the truth. You know, you find it in the Bible. This is what God says. Uh, and if you have a little bit of food to, to help that along, uh, you know, not only will you be doing what God has called us to do, which is to serve our fellow man, to, to love them and to uh, share with them. But it'll also give you a real opportunity. They'll want to listen to you when you try to share the love of Christ with them. Yep, absolutely. I've been saying that for, for the last three years. We're in the midst of excellent opportunities to share the gospel and uh, to witness to people and um, uh, tell them the reason for the hope that we have. So now I'm going to go down a rabbit trail here just just briefly because we're still on the money issue. But um, what was that all about during, I don't know, during the early days of COVID when um, uh, you'd, you'd go to the store, regardless of what kind of store or restaurant, and, and it would say, there'd be a sign there saying, uh, there's a national change shortage. So no change, you know, no change available. What, what was that about? 
I think there was a test run for the cashless society and, and they came up with other pretexts too. Uh, I, there was a while, I think it was maybe a month or two where we just got an endless deluge of propaganda. All the fake news anchors were reading from the same script about how uh, COVID is now spreading on money and cash is dangerous and you might die if you use cash. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's just a tactic of the enemy fear, right? You're going to die if you don't do what we say, if you don't give up your freedom. Uh, and, you know, we know that they have an agenda of a cashless society. How do we know? Because they've been telling us that for a very long time. In fact, in 2012, Rob, I wrote an article for the New American Magazine uh, because there was the creation of a new organization. It was called the Better Than Cash Alliance. And just because of the members, I knew this was going to be significant. It was uh, Bill Gates of Hell. It was uh, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft Visa, uh, MasterCard, uh, numerous governments around the world, the United Nations, multiple UN agencies. Uh, and they were united, they said, by their mission to uh, get rid of cash and move toward digital payments. This was long before anybody had ever heard of COVID or anything. They didn't even have really good rationales. They said somehow this was going to help us um, you know, reduce poverty and things like that. I mean, it's the most idiotic thing you ever heard. How is getting rid of cash going to help reduce poverty? It'll do quite the opposite. You know, how's a, how's a homeless person going to take a digital payment on, on what, right? Um, it's just the worst thing you could possibly do to, to help with poverty. But that was what they were they were marketing. And so it was. It shouldn't have been a surprise at all that during COVID they rolled out these different fake narratives. I think a lot of this is like focus group, you know, market testing. You know, wh- what if we tell them there's a coin shortage? Will that work? Uh, what if we tell them that they're going to get COVID from using money? Will that work? And they see what works, and they just kind of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And I think that's the best way to understand that. And you know, I kept traveling throughout this. So that was the only time I put one of these dumb uh, things on my face was to get on an airplane, and then I just ate goldfish in slow motion uh, while on the plane. But at airports all over the country. You were getting businesses that would not take cash anymore. Um, you know, I'd, I'd go, I'd say, hey, could I have a coffee, please? And I'd, I'd try to pay them with cash. They'd say, no, we won't take cash. Uh, and so, you know, thankfully, Americans are still pretty kind people. A lot of times somebody would step in and say, well, you know, I'll, I'll pay for that. But, um, you know, they do want to do this. They've wanted to do this for a very long time. It's a critical part of this monstrous global system that they're building. And uh, we need to be aware of that. Yeah, I, and I've said for a long time that just about everything associated with COVID was a beta test to see just how submissive and compliant they could get us to be. So, but that that coin thing that 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 threw me. I, I didn't understand. Yeah, I, I still don't understand what that was about. But um, even though you just explained it, um, it, it, I mean, a lot of these narratives don't make sense. Right. If you actually stop and think about the, the narrative that they're peddling, it oftentimes doesn't make sense. In fact, the entire COVID narrative didn't make sense. I and mean, if you were just looking at their own data, if you were just looking at their own reports, um, it, it should have been very obvious that none of this made sense from a logical perspective, from a medical perspective. Um, and, and a lot of smart people were trying to warn people about this. You had you know, leading scientists, leading doctors telling people, look, this stuff makes no sense. We're being lied to clearly. Uh, the problem was they shut down all of those voices. They they silenced them on YouTube. They silenced them on Facebook. They wouldn't let you post on your Twitter. Uh, and so basically all the very smart, intelligent, highly credentialed people that were warning about this were silenced. And unfortunately, that you know, once fear takes over, um, narratives don't have to make sense, right? Uh, fear is a tool of the enemy to get you to stop thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. When, when they started pumping out the fear in you know March of 2020, March or April of 2020, uh, that should have been the first red flag for Christians. Why is it that the clowns on my TV are so desperate for me to be scared? 
um, you know, something is is not right here. But but that's what happens when when fear takes over. You're not thinking about things rationally. You know, self preservation mode, the carnal mind kicks in. Uh, and I was frankly really disappointed, Rob, to see how many Christians fell for this narrative. I mean, we should have been reading our Bibles. The Lord did not send us a spirit of fear, uh, right? This Satan wants you to be fearful. Uh, God wants you to fear God and him alone. Satan wants you to be scared of everything else. Yeah, well, you know, I I wore the mask twice during the <laughs> entire thing. Once was for a hospital visit um, um, that someone requested, and, and another was to uh, fly home from uh, another state. And um, I found that very interesting because we're in the airport. Everybody has their mask on because it's mandatory and everyone's standing on their little six foot apart circle. So you've got everybody spread out. I mean, the line to get on the airplane was 10 miles long. And, but then you get on the airplane and they've got them crammed in there like sardines. <laughs> it's, That's it's, what I mean. It makes no sense, right? And, and this, the uh, flight attendants were had no sense of humor at all when it came to the when it came to the mask. You, you either wear it or you're you know you're you're going to federal prison. So it was nuts. Yeah. But that's how fast they can do things. It really happened quickly overnight. Um. And I remember because we did our. I've, I don't want to keep saying this, but I've said it before. We did our last conference the weekend of the lockdowns. It was, um, it was lockdown weekend. And um, so it was a Friday, Saturday thing. Sunday, I drove one of our speakers to Minneapolis to the airport, and it was like a ghost town there. It was like really eerie and creepy. And then Monday, I went to Sam's Club thinking, you know, I better probably stock up on just a few things, you know, just to be, to, you know, two weeks worth of stuff. And people were frantic. They were rushing through the uh, the grocery aisles with their carts banging into each other and wearing rubber gloves and masks and <laughs> face shields and and grabbing everything they could possibly get. And it, it was crazy. But that's how fast it happened. It was literally from Friday afternoon to Monday morning. Um, it's like the world changed. So, and it can happen again. You know, I, I hope people will keep that in mind because you, you hear, you know, everything could change in one day. Oh, no, don't be alarmed. Uh, we just saw it happen. And we, we just absolutely saw it happen. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the, the trip to the store. Um, it, it's so shameful that Americans behaved in that way because they were scared of a virus. I mean, the, the, the chance of death on this planet is 100 percent. You're going to die. OK, it's, it's just that simple. And for us to you know, be willing to push our neighbors out of the way, beat somebody up over toilet paper. Um, I mean, it, it just shows you how rapidly the, the thin veneer of civilization that we still have left can be wiped away. And, um, you know, right now we just take these things for granted, law and order. We, ju we just take it for granted that the police will come if you call them. We take it for granted that if we go to the grocery store, we can buy basically whatever we need. Um, but we shouldn't be taking those things for granted. Those things can can stop in an instant. And many people throughout human history have experienced that. I, I hope we won't experience that uh, in the near future, but I think it's a very real possibility. Yeah. You know, I was, you mentioned the, the chances of dying of COVID um, and the, the percentage on that. Um, as I was brushing my teeth yesterday, <laughs> this correlation came to me. It's like, 
the chances of dying of COVID was like 0.02%. Isn't that the same percentage that people get on their savings accounts at the bank? (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, they're lending the money to people at 10%, but you get to you know 0.02% interest. Anyway, I I digress. So anyway, let's let's move on. Anybody in the audience have any questions or comments? Somebody's got to have something to say. We got a lot of people out there. Ray, let's Ray and then Russ. Yeah, uh, Alex, how about cryptocurrency? What's the deal on that? That's going kind of um sideways too it seems yeah interesting that you ask about cryptocurrency i actually just bought a little bit more today (laughs) it sounds ridiculous Uh, and maybe it is ridiculous i actually got burned really bad on cryptocurrencies um i owned uh hundreds and hundreds of bitcoin way back in the day back before this was really a thing uh you know i think i started buying in 2010 2011 uh and then mount gox collapsed that was the big exchange at the time it was based in japan uh and i foolishly had uh all my bitcoin in in this mount gox account and so when it collapsed i I didn't think much of it it was you know a few hundred dollars maybe worth of assets uh and overnight it was gone uh today that would have been worth uh you know hundreds of millions of dollars uh, I don't suspect I'll ever get any of that. Uh, and, and ultimately, if I'm quite honest, I believe cryptocurrency in the long run will go to zero. Um, and, and I believe that with pretty strong degree of confidence, um, you know, if the government doesn't outlaw it and ban it, um, you know, there's all kinds of different things that could happen. And it has no intrinsic worth. Right. Uh, it's, it's very much like the Federal Reserve note, except the Federal Reserve note at least has the backing of a very powerful government with a lot of guns, whereas cryptocurrency doesn't have that. Uh, but with all that said, uh, I think there's a lot of possible upside potential. Um, I I wouldn't invest anything above what I would be willing to throw away in cryptocurrency. Uh, You know, I'll I'll say that. But um, it it has come in very handy. You know, if you lived in Venezuela, where the government when the government put in capital controls and said you couldn't buy dollars anymore, you couldn't take your money out of the country. uh, A lot of Venezuelans got cryptocurrency. They loaded it onto a little cold storage device. They got on an airplane. They went to Miami and presto, their fortune was saved. Uh, and so, you know, I'm 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 invested in a small way in a couple of the different cryptocurrencies, uh, but I would not recommend those to anybody. Uh, I mean, I, I don't make recommendations on financial things anyway, but, um, you know, I'd be very, very skeptical of, of putting too much in cryptocurrency, except just for the, you know, the possible upside there. OK, Russ, you're up. Uh, yeah, Rob and, and, then, and then Alex, Gary. good program. Uh my question is the Fed now program. I read something about it was uh, uh, being initiated. Is it in? The, is it being uh, activated now? Uh, as I understand, it's going to be activated very soon. And uh, you know the the architecture that goes into a central bank digital currency is very very complex. Uh, one of the critical components of that architecture is the ability for people to make payments to other people, for people to make payments to businesses, and for businesses to make payments to businesses uh, almost instantaneously. And so this Fed Now system uh, is the the mechanism for that money to transfer back and forth. Uh, so this is a critical part of CBDCs. I, I wouldn't say that they've been introduced yet, but the Fed Now um, system is a critical part of eventually putting CBDCs into circulation. Okay, and Thank Harry. You. Harry? Hello, Harry. Are you there? Got to unmute yourself. 
Okay. I get, we're we're going to have to move on. Um, we're down to about five minutes, and I know this is impossible, but if you can tell us, uh, Alex, a little bit about the World Health Organization's yeah, pandemic treaty. Oh, now Harry's back. Harry, are you there? Okay. Yeah, finally I am, Rob. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Just shut me off again. Okay, you'll preface this with, I know God's on the throne and that's where our hope is. But do you see any hope? Any, any way that this cabal that is controlling everything, maybe overthrown and somebody halfway decent starts to restore things? Great question, Harry. Uh, thank you for asking it. Um, you know, I, I believe that's possible. Uh, and I, I know that, you know, a lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people think, uh, you know, this is uh, the, the run up to, uh, you know, Armageddon or whatever. Um, and, you know, I, I, I believe in the sovereignty of God. And if God chooses to stop these people, um, he absolutely can do it in an instant. Uh, and, and he can use people like us as uh, as a means to accomplish that. So I, I don't think it's set in stone that these people will succeed uh, at all. Um, you know, I, I think they think it's inevitable that they will succeed, but I don't think so. In fact, I know for a fact they're eventually going to be crushed, uh, whether that be, uh, you know, in the immediate future or 100 or 200 years down the line. I can't say for sure. Uh, but I absolutely believe there is a possibility at least that uh, this this evil predator class will be stopped, exposed, and uh, potentially even held accountable in this life. I mean, you know, a lot of these people, uh, they're, they're people. They're not invincible. Yeah, they serve powers and principalities. Ultimately, they serve Satan. But God is still on the throne. Uh, he is going to remain on the throne. And uh, if he chooses to put a stop to this, he could do it in an instant. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I don't claim to speak for God. So could God do that? Absolutely, he could. Will he? I don't know. I hope so, but I don't know. Alex, I have a personal question. Is it um, is it unchristian of me to look forward with glee the day when uh, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Obama, uh, Biden, crime family, uh, Nancy Pelosi, and uh, Klaus Schwab? Um, bend their knee and confess with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm looking forward to it too. You know, and, and if we, if we want to uh, be like our father, if we want to love the things that our father in heaven loves, our father in heaven loves justice. He is a just God. And so the reality is we all deserve justice. And thanks to Christ, um, you know, we, he paid uh, that debt for us. But I, I think we all as Christians should be looking forward to the fact that everybody is going to bow. Everybody is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, that is a wonderful thing for us to look forward to. Um, and, and frankly, I'm looking forward to justice as well. I'm very thankful to, to our Lord Jesus Christ that uh, I'm not going to be on the wrong end of that. But, um, you know, the martyrs in, in heaven, the Bible says, uh, you know, they're crying out for justice. And uh, there's a reason why, you know, God created us in his image. I think there's something in us as people, e even unredeemed, even even pagans, uh, the godless have a sense of justice because they're made in the image of God. You know, we all recognize that criminals ought to be punished. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with us uh, looking forward to the day when righteousness will reign supreme, when uh, when evil will be stopped and destroyed. Uh, that's going to be a great day, in my opinion. Thank you. 
Thank you. It makes me feel better. Now you have one minute and eight seconds to tell us about the WHO's pandemic treaty. Uh, it's a disaster. Uh, I've warned about it um, many times over the last uh, couple of years. It is basically an effort to turn the World Health Organization into a global health dictatorship. Think uh, Department of Health and Human Services on super steroids with authority over the whole world. But the fact is this is illegitimate. It's evil. Uh, we have many mechanisms here in the United States to stop it. The U.S. Senate, the U.S. House of Representatives can defund it. Our states can refuse to cooperate. And so get informed. This is a big deal. And find useful ways to stand in the gap and and uh, arrest the progress of evil to the largest extent possible. Great. Okay. So hopefully we can get into that a little more um, in a few weeks when you can actually come and see Alex live at our event in Wausau, Wisconsin, the great pushback against the great reset, April 14th and 15th for tickets, go to coachdavelive.com slash events, and you can get them there. Uh, get more information on Alex at LibertySentinel.org and TheNewAmerican.com. Next week, we're going to have Sharam Hadian with us, and uh, we'll have another excellent show for you. So thank you all for tuning in. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.